0: Hello, everyone. I would like to welcome you to a very special episode of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. We are live here at the AFPM Summit in San Antonio, Texas, and we have two very special guests joining us today, and we appreciate uh, you being here. Laura Sweat from AFPM and Willis Jernigan from Coke Industries. So thank you guys for being with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Great. Before we jump into the questions, uh, Laura and Willis, can you provide our listeners with a little bit of information on your role with your respective
1: company uh, and organization? Sure, Mike. Uh, I've been with Coke Industry and Coke Companies for 42 years, so basically the same employer, which is, I feel very honored to have that opportunity to work for the same company that that period of time. It's my current role as Director of Health and Safety. With Coke Industries, Uh, our team out of Wichita uh, basically supports Flint Hills Resources in case our Coke Ag and Energy Services Group, but we also support other Coke companies uh, that might need support with improvements around health and safety, environmental, process safety. Uh, So I've been in the corporate role for 18 years. The 24 years before that, I was at the refinery in Corpus Christi. When I left there, I was a safety and health manager. So that's a little bit about my past. Great, Mara?
2: Yeah, I'm the VP of Safety and Technical Programs at AFPM. I've been in AFPM for 20 years. I actually started in an administrative role straight out of college at the tender age of 21 um, and made my way up. So uh, I run all of the safety programs and technical programs, conferences, webinars, and um, all of the staff that help support the members
0: great so let's start with the big news congratulations uh, again on this morning's um receiving the afpm's lifetime service award Um, first how does that make you feel that's a fairly easy question i think but uh and can you provide a little bit more um, details on your career kind of starting from the early days to the present maybe some of the things that you have found have been most important to get you
1: to that point Sure, Mike. So very honored when Laura called me two or three months ago and gave me the news. So I was like, really, I probably didn't say that much. And Laura's used to me saying quite a bit, but I was kind of taken back, right? So I was very honored. And and I think it's it's not only me, but the AFPM organization and what it allows us to do from a collaboration standpoint and to work together to share knowledge and good practices that each one of us have that can help improve our industry. And that's been proven over time. If you look at where we are, just from a traditional OSHA recordable rate, our industry is one of the safest in the country when you look at the BLS rates. And so for me, being part of this organization, I've been part of it since 1995. And uh, I, I joined the committee when I was in Corpus as just a safety specialist, basically. But I, it was the Fire and accident Prevention Committee back then and it was really a good chance for us to learn from our our industry peers around events and how we can improve, and then over time it matured into the Safety and Health Committee in 2006. And that really gave us a focus and a change around, we're not having the accidents that we've had in the previous years, but how can we be proactive to continue to grow? And so that's really been our focus since 2006 from the committee. And then that's led to I think around 2010, 2011, with the AFPM Advancing Process Safety Initiative that we've done in uh, coalition with API, which has continued that effort. And to me, really being able to seek knowledge outside of coke industries and the coke companies, and and share our good practices, but also pick up good practices from others and bring those back to figure out how they can work within our organization. Mm-hmm. Has been very beneficial. And that's what makes makes this exciting to be part of this association is, you know, we have over 1400 people here today. And I know it's a very diverse capability of folks, but there's a lot of knowledge here. And that's what we see on the safety and health committee. A lot of knowledge different size companies that can really, we can work together to share our good practices to improve our performance.
0: Yeah, that's great. What about your own career? When you started when you first started out, what was it that kind of drew you into this industry?
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's pretty personal, right? So when I started uh, with the company, I was in the reliability maintenance group. And unfortunately in 1991, my uncle was killed in an industry incident. And that really changed my process around what can I do to ensure that doesn't happen again or try not to make that happen again. <clears throat> and so there was an opportunity to join the safety group at the Corpus Refinery, that which has led to where I am today. And so that I kind of maybe found my calling. It took me a while. You know, people say, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, I'm not sure I wanted to be a safety guy, but that's where I am today. And I think uh, it's really allowed me to interact and give a better life to people, not only in our facilities, with a lot of help, of course. I don't drive it by myself, but that's really how my career started in safety back in 91.
2: Yeah, I'll just jump in real quick, Please. though, and, you know, Willis hasn't done it for his company either. He's been on all these committees and been a leader and has really shared a lot of what he does and helped a lot of these smaller companies with fewer resources, and that's really been the value of having Willis on these committees is that he is he's a, he's a leader and he's willing to share and he's humble about it too. You know, there's there's not one company that won't, you know, feel comfortable to go to him and ask, you know, hey, what do you do here? And he will always share.
0: I think the industry now is so reliant on, on people with a lot of experience like you to kinda of pass that along to not only like you said the smaller companies but younger younger people as well that are coming
1: up. Yeah, I appreciate that, Laura. We've, we've built a pretty good network of what I call phone-a-friend, mm-hmm. really within the AFPN organization. And we have a lot of good relationships outside of our committee meetings. So there's people I've built relationships with. I have no problem picking up the phone, calling their personal cell phone. We talk. We chat. How are you dealing with this? So there's a lot of things that go on behind the scene. And that's reciprocal. And I think that's what makes this trade association so key in improving the performance are those relationships because there's it's just not me i mean i feel honored to receive this award today and we talked a little bit about that but everyone on that committee has a part in that award because they believe in sharing knowledge reaching out and seeking the best knowledge which which is integral in our business
0: let me t- uh, shift gears here for a second and move to talk a little bit about advanced process safety uh, APS, why, why did AFPM start APS and what's AFPM's role?
2: So advancing process safety started, uh, It w- was it uh, tw- 2009, 2010? 2000 We're just going to gonna make up numbers at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's about, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And there was a lot of, there was a lot f- fewer incidents, but there was several high-profile incidents still in the industry. And uh, most notably, it was, you know, Tesoro, Macondo had that, that spring was, um, had several really high profile events. And it wasn't just in refinery, there was a mining event too, but there was a lot of scrutiny around safety and industry. And um, the senior executives from AFPM got together and they're like, hey, we're working process safety really hard within our, our own companies, but we're silent. Like, is there an opportunity for a trade association to help us improve together so you know it's the exxon mobiles and the flint hills and the ergons all working collectively with the common goal of approving process safety across the entire industry versus a company because one incident would you know um hurt everybody uh, from the public perspective so uh we got together and there was probably you know 10 executives in the room and they said, yeah, this is the most important thing we can do. Like our license to operate is based on how we operate and we owe it to our people and our communities to operate the safest way possible. So that's how it started was the commitment from the executive leadership. And then we got, you know, a lot of the safety managers together and a lot of companies. And we said, okay, if you got rid of legal, you got rid of all these barriers we've had over these years of sharing and sharing broadly what would you do? And, and that's how advancing process safety start. And it's funny, Willis could probably say more about this, but we spent the whole year not telling legal what we're doing because we knew they would stop. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we get to a point where like, okay, this is what we want to do. We want to do practice share, event sharing, hazard identification, site assessments. And we, had, we got all the legal folks together and said, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to reduce process safety across the industry. We want to share knowledge with each other to help each other out. And uh, this one lawyer was not saying no, I'm saying hell no. And you go back to the executive group and you're like, yeah, this one didn't really like this. And the guy stands up. He's like, was that my lawyer? And I was like, yeah. He's like, because I got a lot more. And so like, the edict was, don't tell me no. Tell me how we're going to do it. And so it brought...
1: it down a lot of berries i don't know if you could talk about how I mean the we had a lot of great ideas but we we had met this roadblock right like Laura said but once we got over that roadblock and it took some work it wasn 't like a month long it was years it was years right the first couple of years but we were able to figure out how we could share good practices and we call them practice sharing documents so how we can generically write those up. And it's not maybe pointed at one company, but it's a compilation of a good practice a company does that others could benefit from. And so when we started utilizing that between what I would call the personal safety and occupational safety folks, and we started sharing those and getting the right folks part of the, the initiative, man, people opened up. And because they saw that they were not only giving but they were getting something back as well. You know, a lot of times you write up something or you present at a conference and it's, it's your message and how often do we get something from someone else? But this initiative has allowed us, whether it be through practices sharing, through our event sharing database, through our regional network meetings. I mean, you just know our learning and performance. Uh, people see it goes both ways, so they're not only giving, but they're getting something out of it as well. And maybe it works for your site or maybe it doesn't, right? But at least you have the opportunity to take it, go back and discuss it with your frontline employees, right? Not just your leadership teams at the site, but really the people that would utilize maybe that good practice or that practice sharing and get feedback. And a lot of times we've enhanced those over the year too. So, and we made it simple. We made it simple to write those documents. It doesn't have to be a 30 page document. It's a checklist. It's a checklist or it could be a one page just thought on paper. And I think since making it simple, that encouraged more people to participate and and sign up to to develop some of those as well.
2: And since we started advancing process safety, I mean, we've seen a fifty percent decrease in uh, process safety events across the United States. And I can't say it's all a tribute to advancing process safety, but I think it definitely accelerated it. Um, and and we're continuously improving. It's not we're not doing standards. So we just did a deep dive this past year and identified where our priorities are moving forward. So we've got, you know, a new set of priorities that we're working and developing different projects on.
0: So you break down those uh, silos and you've you've got this great uh, sharing and collaboration and, and that helps the expansion to occupational safety and regional networks and fostering that.
2: Well, it was so successful on the process safety side and, you know, the safety committee is like, well, we're still seeing, you know, occupationally incidents as well. Why don't we take this model and apply it more broadly to occupational as well? And then why don't you talk about a little bit what we've done there?
1: Yeah. So we've, uh, we've taken that same concept like Laura said, and we've worked hard with, uh, with our leadership, right? Through the different AFPM uh, companies to take that same model to, to get frontline practitioners together from the regions, to share that same knowledge. And we have chair and vice chairs, just like they do on the process safety side. Those people lead the effort. We have small charters, but it's really a chance for the frontline practitioners to get together from large sites, small sites, and share knowledge. And I think learning from different events, right, where we can share, and, and where we've been able to implement programs that have worked for us, especially the one I think about, the the real cool energy control ideas that one of our past chair uh, people, Dean Magnatas from P66 was a big, he was a big leader, champion around that, is uh, we got some great ideas and we shared those and that encouraged others to share those cool ideas when it comes to isolating energy sources. And another big outtake of the regional networks from the committee, I think, is our expansion around our safety matrix classification. Mm-hmm. So not just focusing on, you know, we don't want anyone to get hurt at our sites, right? But there's different severities of injuries or illnesses, and, and we care about those one stitch, those trips, you know, where people might twist their knee. But we've really learned as an organization over the year to think about those potential events that could have serious injury or fatality associated with those and how we can learn from classifying those and sharing knowledge around those and i think it's been proven especially with dean and p66 and it and the rest of us are kind of lagging behind a little bit but we're getting there because we've been using the matrix now voluntarily for about five years five years yeah it improves overall safety from the traditional total recordable incident rate that OSHA looks at. So I think that's been very beneficial for us. And that was a collaborative effort, right, of a lot of, one person bringing an idea, but people understanding the importance of how that can make a change in our industry.
2: And that's really the the value of all these committees and especially the safety committee is that they can be innovative, they can be flexible, and they've got really good ideas. And then because AFPM has such a broad membership, it can be adopted across the industry. And it's really changing how people look at their incident data.
1: Yeah, and it's changing the way people think, right? So just really around, it's really been beneficial in our company. We don't really focus on total recordable incident rate, we focus on serious injuries in our company. Not that we don't care about those, we work through those and we understand why they happen. But we can usually recover from those type of events, right? it's hard to recover from a serious injury or even a fatality because our frontline people are our most precious asset, and it's hard to replace that. So,
0: Let's shift gears a little bit here, and uh, can you tell me a little bit more about immersive learning?
2: So this is an extension of what we've been doing. You know, over the years, we've broken down those barriers. We've looked at the data. We've identified opportunities for improvement. This latest time around is kind of looking about, like, Okay, how do we get the right information to the right people at the right time? So, like, really getting deeper into the site to the frontline employees, and like, love the process safety guys, but there's a lot of writing and details and documents, and that's not going to resonate well with the frontline employee. So, immersive learning is all about how can you make this really good information and hazard information more digestible to the frontline employee. So we started with uh, fired heaters. We've done a VR simulation. It's actually, it's right down the hall. So if you want to test it out, it's pretty awesome. Um, we did a focus on winterization. So we did a video podcast series and then a trivia game. So it's something that, you know, the folks can do on their phone, kind of like that. What's a dead leg reminding them, you know, when they're getting to winter, how to identify dead legs, just ra- raising the awareness so, if they're in the situation, they're like, oh, that might be a hazard in a few months. Um, we've done a walk the line program. We did a nine chapter series on walk the line, micro learning videos that are just really easy to digest the concepts and for like operators' maintenance. There's several sessions at the conference on walk the line. And a lot around human performance. You know, that's one of, what, when we look at data, that's where a lot of our incidents are coming. And maybe, you know, that, Can be preventable if the hazards are more on the forefront of the employees as they're doing the work so that's the the idea around immersive learning and so far it's been really successful but we're still in our infancy
1: yeah that's really driven a lot of the webinars that we that afpm hosts every quarter around certain topics and we get a great participation depending on the topic we might have 100 people on to 200 people on these webinars and those are really focused at getting frontline i'd say practitioners at a site to be able to call in and listen, and I think it helps them change the way they do learning at their site. Just having that knowledge here, whatever that topic might be.
0: I said this morning, so we're, here we are at the first in-person summits. Tell me uh, what is the summit, why was it conceived? So the summit
2: was conceived over many years of actually looking at the 12 conferences AFPM had in looking at what those topics were that kind of came across all the conferences. But they were only being taught from the perspective of that discipline back to those folks. So it's looking at at the Reliability and Maintenance Conference, they would have information on process safety. We would do, uh, you know, learnings from the event sharing database on torquing and different things and it's you know maintenance focused, but then the FCC and Cat Crackers were talking about maintenance and torquing too. So the idea is that we're bringing all the disciplines together with all the major themes with the focus on operational excellence, but that let's have these conversations together because as these plants are more innovative and mature, those silos need to be broken down so that we're all having the same discussion across the entire plant. And I'm pretty sure I kicked it around to Willis, and Willis was like, that's not such a bad idea.
1: Well, it, 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 it wasn't a bad idea, right? Because if you think about safety doesn't own safety. The process, process safety group doesn't own process safety. We help set the guidelines and the foundation. But really people out in the operations, maintenance, engineering teams, they are the ones that really own and make that happen day in and day out. So what a, What not a better way to come together with all these capabilities, right? To make sure we're <clears throat> we're giving the most efficient delivery of topics across all capabilities. So it was unfortunate our first one had to be virtual. And the second and one. The second one. But I
2: think we learned a lot. And this one's been pretty awesome so far. Got a lot of good feedback, a lot of interaction. And that's also what we wanted, is interaction, movement, having conversations, not death by PowerPoint. But like, let's all be here for the same common goal and, and let's achieve it.
0: I think it's resonating with your attendees too. Your attendance is super strong. And the the feeling I, I've felt around here is that people are so glad to be back together. And yeah, the energy's yeah, been good. The energy's yep. been great. What's the longer term uh, goal for the summit? Do you, what What do you hope maybe to adapt or to achieve five years, 10 years down the road?
2: Well, I think it's, you know, to be the premier uh, conference for the refining and in and petrochemical industries from a technical perspective, I think it's bringing the most pertinent information to the attendees in a format that is digestible, interactive. We can have those conversations. Willis mentioned it earlier. It's like taking those nuggets back. Like, we're not just talking the talk. Like, this is tangible information that you can take back to your site and help you improve. Because overall, you know, it's environmental, it's safety, it's reliability, it's efficiency, sustainability, all together is going to let you know, going to bring this uh, industry into the future.
0: Great. Well, Laura and Willis, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today uh, and for joining us on this special issue of the main column podcast here live at the AFPM Summit. Appreciate you guys being with us. Thank
1: you. you. Thanks, Mike.